Welcome to Season 2 of White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and being sensitive, intuitive, a mystic in a material world. Let's talk about dreams, rituals, personal transformation, the possibility of an afterlife, angels and other infinite possibilities. Season 1, recorded in 2019, featured interviews with some of the world's leading scientists currently researching consciousness, the existence of the mind separate from the brain. Listen to those mind-opening interviews if you can, because they left clear footprints in the sand for the carefully selected healers, psychics, mediums, authors, artists and experts featured in season two to follow and speak to us from their hearts, the place where all love and wisdom begins, and to speak to us in 2020, the year the world turned upside down and spiritual clarity needed as never before. So, now the scene is set, let's walk barefoot on the sand and then pause a while to gaze together at the horizon to see what magic lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely today on White Shores. Good to have you here. My special guest today is one of those scientifically endorsed professional mediums I have been championing relentlessly in recent years. And please do listen to episode two of season one, where I talk to the scientist who tests mediums scientifically and how important it is to get some kind of regulation into mediumship, especially right now, as so many of us are unexpectedly grieving loved ones from the pandemic and perhaps tempted to visit a medium if there was no chance to say goodbye, as there would have been in pre-virus times. But in this deeply moving interview, although my guest will talk about her life and work as a Windbridge Institute certified medium, she will also be talking about suicide, the suicide of her beautiful daughter. And I've seen video of her daughter. And my goodness, this girl was stunning, is stunning. She took her own life a few years ago. Please do stay tuned after the interview for a piece of musical heaven as a thank you to my guest. It's played by Robert, my son and Royal College of Music scholar. And it's also for a gift for you to help bring some inner peace because listening to great music can help connect the logical and creative parts of your brain as you listen and bring some harmony. Back to this interview. In it, my guest discusses frankly how as a medium who believes in the sacredness of life, the death of her daughter by her own hands crushed her world, but how she feels her daughter's spirit reaching out to her all the time. Indeed, during this extraordinary interview, I actually felt her daughter very much alive and walking beside us, guiding us as we spoke, wanting the world to know through her mother's gentle words that death ends a life, not a relationship. Suicide is intensely difficult to discuss from a spiritual or indeed any perspective, and the impact of those left behind is nothing short of devastating. 
When I was told as a young child that my mother attempted to take her own life before I was born, she was saved at the last minute by a stunning coincidence, it felt like a crushing blow that someone you love at some point of their life didn't want to carry on anymore. And I guess a lot of my youth was spent in a state of constant anxiety that she might try it again. But as my guest so eloquently explains, once you have that spiritual perspective and understand life is eternal, should your life be impacted by suicide or indeed any bereavement of a loved one, it is possible to find a sense of meaning and purpose. And if you are listening and feel close to the edge, I hope that this interview will show you that suicide isn't the answer. I don't know what the answer is, and I've never claimed to know all the answers. But I suspect, as with everything spiritual, it has something to do with the eternal power of love transcending life, death, and eternity. It's time now for my guest, and if you are affected by anything discussed here, please feel free to contact my desk, guest, myself, or some of the helplines listed in the show notes. Take a deep breath, feel your heart beating and your soul awakening, and please stay tuned for this remarkable interview. If you would like to find out more about my books, warning, I'm a serial spiritual writer, there are a lot of them, my research, my media appearances and online talks and events, as well as my latest title and opportunities to win free gifts, please do visit www.theresachung.com and subscribe to my newsletter. If you want to listen to season one, you can find it on the podcast page of my website, and all episodes of both season one and season two are available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Be honoured and grateful if you could leave a review there, as it helps the podcast get wider circulation and spreads the word that spirit is real. Walking beside me today on White Shores is a professional psychic medium from the States. I feel right now as the world is gripped by pain, confusion and loss due to the pandemic, we need wisdom, strength and comfort and insight from the other side as never before. And this guest has recent personal experience of bereavement, as a few years ago she lost her beautiful daughter Amber, and I feel Amber's spirit will be very much alive in this podcast interview. As you know, until recently, I avoided recommending mediums in my books as I believe in direct personal connection to spirit. But as you hear in this interview, this lady is quite exceptional in her authenticity. She was also highly recommended by people I work with and admire. As well as being a professional psychic medium, Amkasha is a hypnotist specialising in past life regressions and a field investigator with the Office of Paranormal Investigations. She has appeared on TV, radio, and in the books Ghost Hunting, How to Investigate the Paranormal, A Paranormal Casebook, and The Ghost Detective's Guide to Haunted San Francisco by Lloyd Auerbach, who was a guest actually in season one of this podcast, a very popular guest. In June of 2011, she was invited to become a Windbridge Certified Research Medium. Her certification involved eight thorough screening, testing and training steps during which her ability to report accurate and specific information about the deceased was scientifically tested under blinded conditions by Windbridge Windbridge Institute Director of Research, Dr. Julie Beischel. 
Dr. Julie Byshaw's episode, The Medium Whisperer, as I called that episode, was actually one of the most downloaded episodes of season one of this podcast. Ankasha is a contributing author for Ghost Magazine and is an ordained minister. Having spent 12 years in a devout religious structure, she is able to assist others in transcending the myths and constraints of belief systems. A lifelong interest in ancient practices and rituals inspire her work. Her commitment is to give each of her clients a meaningful, insightful consultation that will not only bring comfort, but bring forward specific information that will assure them that their loved ones continue on from the other side. Because of her support of the hospice programme, she received the annual hospice service award from the Providence Hospice of Seattle a few years ago. Wow, I'm absolutely honoured to have someone like Ankasha on this this podcast. Thank you so much for spending the time today to be here. Hello. Hello, Teresa. Thank you for inviting me. Um, no, I'm honoured and I can't wait to start our conversation in earnest. But first... The world is in such confusion and pain right now due to the pandemic. Big question, but we live in big, extraordinary times. What insight can the other side offer right now? What's your spiritual take on what's happening to the world right now? Well, you know, I've been uh, able to really talk to other people, other light workers, and it seems that my understanding and from what I'm getting from what the universe is teaching me is how connected we really are. And it's not by social media. That's the interesting thing. I understand that social media is a form of connection, but there's also this connection that I think the pandemic is teaching us. And it's something that even resonates through my own life and my own experience with my daughter is that everything we do Every word we say, every, um, every, every way that we take care of ourselves, every touch that we have with anyone can somehow affect other people, even other people we may never have met. So we, we sometimes hear about that it's not about wearing a mask or things like that, that it's not about necessarily protecting ourselves as much as protecting other people. And in the same way, in our spiritual life and in the the message that I keep getting is that this is about taking care of other people and being concerned about the words that we speak, the things that we do, the actions that we take, that they don't create some kind of a, um, a snowball effect in our own lives whether it has to do with what the pandemic is, which really shows us how these things can multiply and affect other people, but in our own life and the words we say and the things that we do, how we can create love or, and health and healing, or we can create suffering, even when we don't intend to. Absolutely, beautifully put and as I said just before this podcast started it was extraordinary my dog who'd been on the other side of the room mm. this morning when I was working he walked over when he heard Ankasha's voice Ankasha sorry I pronounced it wrong that's fine. and and now he has his head on my lap with his mm. eyes open looking at this is so beautiful sweet it boy. was so so amazing experience I I, I can't obviously because this isn't, isn't visual experience it's um 
just audio only, but I, I can feel my dogs, almost like my dogs just responding to you through <laughs> through the ether like that. It's like, yes. And isn't it interesting it started with animals, this pandemic? Yes, very interesting. Very mm. interesting. And but we're going to talk, you, sorry, please no, carry on. No, it's just wonderful that people are taking this opportunity too to adopt animals. Um, yes. And to give homes uh, to the animals that don't have homes. Yes, absolutely. Um, You mentioned your beautiful daughter in spirit in there. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but can we just focus on you first? Sure. Can you please tell us, I mean, I did a big introduction, but, you know, that's probably only a tiny bit of the story. Can you tell us how you became a medium and how you realized you had this gift? Well, the very first experience that I can remember um, uh, was as a child. I was living here in Washington State at that time. My father was in the military. And we lived in a very remote area at that time um, and out in a forest area. And my father was at work. My two sisters were at school. And I was probably three and a half, four years old at the very most. My mother fell ill and she collapsed on the ground. She had a blood clot in her leg. We had no phone. And I had always been told not to walk into the forest. We lived actually on a bluff that that was a very high bluff that led out to the ocean on one side, and then the other sides were surrounded by forest. I walked outside because I didn't know what to do, and I was pretty frightened. And I came to the edge of the forest, and I knew that I should go in. As I stood there at the edge of the forest, a woman appeared. And she had this long blonde hair, and she wore a certain type of style of dress. We had no television at that time, so I had never seen anything like a princess or an angel or anything like that. But I saw this woman, and she spoke to me, but she didn't speak to me with her words in her, by her mouth. She spoke to me in my mind, and she told me to come with her. So I walked with her through the forest, and as we walked, she talked, and she calmed me. She told me everything would be all right, and we came to the edge of the forest, and she pointed, and I looked out, and there was a house, and I felt she was telling me to go to the house. So I started to run out to the house, and I turned around and looked at her, And she just made a wave with her hand as if to say goodbye, and she dissolved. I came to the door and just told them that my mommy was sick, and they found out where I lived, called in uh, someone to come and get her, and really her life was saved. And from that point on, my mother and my father would talk about that, but they didn't understand how I made it through the forest as such a little child without something happening to me or without me getting lost. And I kept telling people, the lady, the lady showed me how to get through and the lady took me to that house. So that was the first experience I had with something from the other side. What was the reaction of your parents? Well, the interesting thing is, is that they, they both obviously knew something like that had happened. And so many times we hear from, and I've heard from other mediums, that their mothers were very supportive, 
and sometimes family members were not. My father, who had somewhat of a gift, was very supportive of that, of the uh, experience. My mother, I think, was a little bit concerned and, and frightened by it that there might either be, that I might have made it up or, you know, there might be something wrong with me. So, but my father throughout my life was very supportive of the experience and my mediumship experiences. Yeah, and, and then, then what happened then? Because it's quite an unusual profession, to say the least. Yes. How did yeah. that happen? I mean, did you try to, to um, make your way in other careers first? And, and how did it happen that you become, how do you become a professional right, right. psychic medium? I'm curious. Well, through uh, what I, my childhood was, you know, the average childhood, and we traveled a lot. I had an opportunity to meet different people from, um, a, cult, a few cult, different cultures and that was a that was a great exposure to me too because there were times as a child that things would happen and I would uh, I would see things or feel things one of uh, the things that was very clear to me was a a time on a family trip when we had gone to a hotel we had arrived at the hotel through driving and my we got out of the car and I saw my uncle sitting on the, um, the area where you pull up the curb. And I just looked at him and I thought it was strange because he was in another state at that time and he was elderly. And I told them, I told my parents that I saw our uncle. They made a phone call when they got into the hotel and said, that he had just passed away. So that was the first mm -hmm. time I'd seen someone. He was a very kind man and very good to me. It was the first time I'd actually seen someone, I think, from the other side. So as a teenager, I started to read, and this was in the, the mid-60s. There was not a lot of information about mediumship out at that time. There were some things on, uh, some very dark things. There were some things on um, witchcraft. And there were also a few things, books on astrology, which I couldn't understand. It seemed way <laughs> over my head and still is. I don't do astrology at all. I have an astrologer that's wonderful, but I don't do astrology. So I started studying and, and going to different things, and I actually got interested in mediumship in my teen years and started having experiences of hearing from people from the other side and seeing things. And at one point, a young lady who I was in school, in high school with, came up to me, and I really didn't know her well, but she said, my mother needs to speak to you. I said, okay. And I walked to her house after school, and the woman was a psychic. And she sat down with me, and she said, I want to tell you something. You're going to be doing this work, which I didn't understand what this work was. She said, you're going to be doing this, and you're going to be following a specific path to help people. But you need to be careful because it can take you in the wrong direction or it can take you towards your destiny. Mm. I didn't really understand that well. 
but I left that night and as I walked away from her house I turned and her house was glowing. Gosh, this is absolutely riveting to, to listen to you like this. Um, but you also, you, you, one of the reasons I'm drawn to you is that you've actually, you have this ability, but you've actually put yourself through the rigour of scientific testing. Can you tell us about Windbridge and what they did to you there? <laughs> you know, what was that like? Um, just tell us about it, please, and why you made that decision to do that. Well, you know, I had heard about Windbridge and the studies. I'd been um, interested in the paranormal and in, uh, of course, I was, I was doing mediumship readings and I was doing psychic readings at that time. And I had become associated with um, some of the people who were involved with Winbridge. And they mentioned that they were having this, uh, they were doing a, a testing to test mediums and see if, uh, how they got their information and to see if they could get communication from someone's deceased loved ones without having the person in front of them, without having the sitter in front of them. So they put us through written questionnaires, um, psychological tests, personality tests, interviews on the phone, and then they did phone readings. And they were blinded phone readings, so that meant that I didn't know who I was reading for, and I didn't know the age of the person, I didn't know anything about them, I didn't know their name until they get, would give me, at one point they would give, uh, as the reading was recorded, they would give us the first name of the person, but it wouldn't tell anything as to how old they were, young they were, what they passed from, and there was no sitter there. So there are a lot of people in uh, who are very um, cynical or skeptical about mediumship, and that's, you know, that's fine to be skeptical because I'm skeptical about, about a lot of things. Do you know, the, the most the mediums that I really admire, as I said, I have been reluctant to, to endorse it, but, you know, there have been some people that just have made me think, well, they, these people have got something. I don't know what, but it is. They usually are the harshest on themselves. They're so skeptical of themselves. Yes. And I find that often now is the mark of a genuine, authentic medium, because you're right, there is an awful lot of fraud there. And I love what Winbridge is doing, that they're trying to bring some regulation into a industry which is so unregulated so if you're listening and you want to you know visit a medium mediums like Ankasha is, is where you should be going who have had some testing scientifically and you can find out that about the, at the Winbridge Institute doc oh sorry I was interrupting there Ankasha and please can you also tell us about your name as well I I keep pronouncing it wrong but I want to know about the history of that name sure <laughs> Well, my first name uh, actually is Neva. That was my given name at birth. And I took the name Ankasha Amente after a lot of extensive work that I did um, with some people in mediumship and in shamanic work. And the name came to me, it was given to me, I feel. Um, and it was a very powerful name. I didn't know what it meant at the time. I knew what Akasha meant. Mm -hmm. um, I understood about that, but I didn't understand why I was given the name Ankasha. It was very clear it was to sp be spelled as the Egyptian Ankh, A-N-K-H. 
And what does it mean? It, it, the, the word breaks down, meaning that the gods have breathed life into me, um, the key of life, the breath of life, uh, mm -hmm. the spirit. And the Amente is actually the land of the dead in the Egyptian culture. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> okay, let's, that's, that's very intriguing. Um, can we now talk about what I, I, how I met you, actually, which is through the spirit of your daughter, Amber? Because yes. I know you're writing a book about her. Which, a book which must be written. I have always felt that about this book. It must be written somehow. And you, even though it's writing is not your first profession, obviously being right. a psychic is, and you are writing her story. Can you please tell us about Amber Thank and why you. you're writing this book? My daughter Amber um, is 34 years old, and she is an amazing, amazing young woman. My daughter Amber uh, had was was born with some a physical issue that created a lot of hardship for her and problems, physical problems, and she had to go through several surgeries when she was quite young. She was always such a positive, outgoing, bubbly uh, young woman, very healthy, practiced yoga, rode bikes, um, worked out did all sorts of things, took such good care of herself, and had so many friends, and was very um, a very positive young woman, always seemed to bounce back from just about everything. And in 2017, I was feeling very strongly in my body and in my spirit that even though I work, I work with grief, and I work with death all the time and the grieving, that death itself was walking right next to me. I could feel it. And I told my husband and I told my best friend, I feel like death is here for me. And I'm not scared of dying, but it seems like it's so heavy close to me. In February 2nd of 2018, my daughter Amber took her own life. And it was so unexpected. She had hundreds of friends. She had a very successful business, made a good amount of money, was very well loved by a lot of people, but had a difficult breakup and some other issues in her life, as we've discovered. And it caused her to give up hope. Mm. And that has been the heartbreak of our life. My husband and I miss her every single day. And what it, is, what it has brought to me and my work is a deeper understanding of loss, a deeper understanding of grief. And at first I wasn't sure I could actually continue the work that I do, to be very straightforward. I was concerned I couldn't, that the mm. pain was so mm. great. But my daughter has come through in so many different ways, in signs to me and in, in feelings and words, to tell me that it was what I was supposed to do, that I need to continue mm. Mm. and give comfort to people 
to let them know that this is not it because I know she's still there. It must have hit you, blindsided you completely, really, especially being a psychic medium. Yes. Yes, um, it, it did. <laughs> suddenly you were confronted with what people come and see you for help to come to terms with, things, situations like that. What was that like? That was very difficult because, of course, one of the first things I went to was, why didn't I see this coming? And people asked that question. They, they actually asked it of me, uh, which was very hurtful. They didn't mean yeah. to be hurtful, but they no. wondered. And, and I, have, I have thought that, too. Why don't psychics see everything? Why can't mm. they tell everyone every bad thing that's going to happen? Why couldn't psychics have warned people about this pandemic? Mm -hmm. why, you know, why couldn't everyone have been so well prepared? But there are times where I don't believe we're, we're meant to see our path and we're meant to see things. So I don't, I don't believe that psychics can see everything. Any psychic that tells you they can see it all is... <laughs> I mean, you if, need to if, run. You believe, if you believe there's a reason for everything, obviously there's a reason why you were not. Yes. There's a reason why this happened. If anything, it's to raise awareness, I guess, of suicide and, um, you know, of issues like this. And that's what I believe you're doing through the book and by speaking so openly about it. Um, what is your spiritual perspective on suicide? What is the spiritual well, I know that uh, I will tell you that uh, I had had many people come to me, especially parents, because I think that is the, the deepest loss, not only to lose a child, but then to lose them in such a horrible way. Because if something happens and someone has a disease, you, you can be angry at the disease. You can somehow say, I'm going to take some action. But when it's suicide, there's so many other layers of guilt that the parents mm. feel and, and confusion. So what I have learned from the other side and from my daughter specifically and from other people that, are, that have crossed over who are sharing things with me is that one, people do need to know that suicide doesn't resolve the questions and the pain that you feel when you're here. The pain you're trying to get out of doesn't get resolved by suicide. It's not an answer to what your soul path is here. And you take it with you. Yeah, thing. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I do believe, and she has shared with me that she is having to work on those things there and may even come back, which she spoke about that in her writing. She was a, a prolific writer. Absolutely stunningly beautiful girl as well, because you sent me some videos of her. That was a real honor to see that. And the, the yes. beauty, the life, she just like, if you could imagine what an angel looks like, that's kind of, oh. it was her, wasn't it? She's absolutely one of the most stunning girls I've seen, really. Yes. Um, and it's, it's such a big question mark. It's so difficult, isn't it? Why would someone who like that, there's so much to live for. Yes. Maybe she felt in her death that she could learn more and, and impact more. I don't know. I think she did. I think that's what she thought. And I know that, that through conversations that I've had with her and what my heart tells me is that uh, her death will mean something 
to other people mm. and the through publishing her writings and allowing people to see what she was going through and how difficult it was for her to share those things she didn't share a great deal of what she was going through with anyone and we had a wonderful relationship well i do hope when the book comes out that you share some of the videos as well because you see someone there who who looks like it's just perfection you've got everything beautiful um surrounded by loving people and a, a great job so all that and yet if the spirit's not feeling right and you can never know what's behind the mask of people can you absolutely approach people you never know what they're going through so kind of be kind to everyone because you never know the hidden pain you you never do and we've discovered so much of it and one of the things that struck me that i would like to make sure everyone knows is that we noticed that in this time of social connection in this time of everyone having their lives very exposed and out there, that sometimes people say things that are hurtful to each other. And yeah, they yeah. perhaps are striking out of their own pain of ins and insecurity. And we've all done something or said something that might not have been as skillful or as kind as it should have been uh, out of jealousy or pain of our own. And I would just encourage everyone to think really carefully before we, in writing or in our words, say things to one another that be would mindful. be painful. Mm -hmm. It's teaching us that. And what, what have you, you say you've heard she's come through. Yes. How, how, how is she doing that? In what way? Well, she did assure me that she was greeted by people on the other side that loved her. And... Uh, family members that are very dear to us that are taking care of her and helping her. Her personality hasn't changed much. She's very outspoken. My daughter was extremely outspoken. She's and, still telling you what she thinks. Huh? Oh, very, very, very much so. Very much so to the point that I think a lot of people wouldn't understand some of the silly things she says to me and, and some of the times she catches me up short. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear you laugh about it. You know, it's like she's here. She and, is. You know, reminding everyone who's listening as well through her spirit that death ends a life, not a relationship. Um, it does which not. It's a powerful message that your book, when you're ready to release it, yes. will give. And I, I hope everyone grieving a loved one will read it and draw hope and inspiration. I also hope people will check out you now, Ankasha. Where is the best way for people to find out about you and your work? My website is www.ankashaankashasha.com. And that's the best portal to, to reach you and yes. to find out everything that you're doing and, and you know, your training and your all, all the books that you've written and everything. There was so much to cover here. I'm so sorry we're running out of time. And I do apologize right. if there's any background noise. We are in a lockdown. This is real life, people. I haven't got a soundproof studio much that I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's real life. This is um, a lockdown time. The dreams and intuition, are, I think, are heightened more than ever. And if yes. you wanted to connect with a truly authentic medium, and I do not say that lightly, given the body of work that I've done over these years, someone who's highly recommended by a 
personal friend of both of ours, Lloyd Auerbach, and by Dr. Julian Beischel, all people I admire so much. This lady is someone you should really check out, and I hope you do, and you draw as much comfort and inspiration from talking to her as I have done. Thank you, Ankasha. Thank you so much, Teresa. But I can't let you go away without my silly Lord of the Rings question, which I ask everyone. Oh. <laughs> because I have one question at the end um, that I ask all my guests, because White Shores, of course, is um, uh, in, in Lord of the Rings. Uh, there's a famous scene when Gandalf reassures Pip when he's frightened of dying to not be frightened because he'll be greeted by White Shores. That's the title, why the title is called White Shores. And, oh. um so I ask each of my guests a question. Nobody gets them right, and that's exactly what I want because then the first person to email me, angeltalk710 at aor.com, with the correct answer will get a free gift. So you getting it wrong <laughs> is the intention. So this is the question you shall not pass. All right. Okay, and it's very relevant to this episode at the end of Lord of the Rings, uh, The Return of the King. What is the name of the place that Frodo goes to? You don't know. <laughs> wait, wait, I should know no, this. No, 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 do not. No, no, please stay away from computers and mobiles. And <laughs> no, 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 I, I do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. So if you do know the answer. Oh, I do know. I no, do no, know. you don't. You don't because that oh, means okay. you can't get a free gift. <laughs> <laughs> tell me after when we stop the recording and I'll tell you if you're right. You don't. <laughs> I, I know you do know, actually. I just sense that. I know you do. It's too it's too obvious. But <laughs> Thank you so much, Ankasha. Lots Thanks. of love. Thank you. Blessings. And before this episode closes, with a musical gift for you to close your eyes and visualise the pure love, wonder, beauty of White Shores, I want to thank you all from my heart for being present and for being you. Keep being amazing spiritual you. The world needs your compassionate light more than ever. Thank you also to Clan Ree for the opening theme track. And if you have any questions, stories or insights you want to share with me, you can always connect to me via my Teresa Chung author pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube, as well as www.teresachung.com and my trusty angeltalk710 at aol.com email. I aim to reply to everyone, but bear with me if things get busy. And now it's time, the language that the angels speak, music takes centre stage. If you want to know the title of the piece, which is played by or selected by my son and Royal College of Music scholar Robert, because it resonates powerfully with the theme of this specific episode, you can find the title in the show notes. Sending you my love and gratitude.